Hello, you are listening to episode 13 of Desi Geek Girls. I am Preeti Chibber. I'm Swapna Krishna, and we are recording on Wednesday, September 20th. Oh, we have a big show for you guys because we've been a really long time. <laughs> and I feel like it has been, and it has been a really long time since we last had an episode um, because I was in France for two weeks. So yes. our, while it seems like it's only been like two weeks since our Rogue One, A New Hope extravaganza. It's actually been like a month since we actually recorded that. It just yeah. took a while for us to up. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to get the episode up and then I just, I just didn't do it. <laughs> life, life comes at you fast, man. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Sapna was back and I was like, I still haven't uploaded this. Sorry. And then we thought we lost it for a while. And then that was just high drama. But so, but we're here. Nope. Nobody cares. No one cares. So, um, We're here. But we have lots to talk about today, so we'll get right into it. Um, first, we want to talk about some fall TV that we're really excited yes, about because finally. we're back. Yeah, I know. Um, so, of course, I think everybody who knows me at all knows, like, I am brimming over with excitement at Star Trek Discovery, and that premieres on Sunday, and I'm actually not sure if it if the first episode is going to be on CBS uh, proper, but the show itself is only airing on CBS All Access, which is CBS's, I know, which is CBS's standalone app. Um, and it's like $6 a month, and it's super annoying and frustrating. And I'm really irritated that they're doing it this way. It's but infuriating. I'm, it really is. And they're not making, and, and the really infuriating thing about it, I mean, it's all infuriating, but, like, they're not making screeners available to the press, which means if you want to cover the show at all, you have to pay the $6 a month to subscribe, which is really ridiculous. Yes. Um, but I, uh... I don't know. And I've been a CBS All Access subscriber because for this show, um, and their content is not stellar. Like, it's not like... I don't know. I'm not going to turn this into a CBS All Access rant, but I just don't <laughs> feel like the content they're providing is worth $6 a month. But that being said, I will pay $6 a month for Star Trek, so I'm going to pay it. Um, but I am so excited about the series. I can say I have already read the prequel novel that comes out next Tuesday, and it's so good. <laughs> and I can't say anything about it because I signed a non-disclosure agreement, but all like I would say is I really enjoyed it, and it made me um, even more excited for the series. I'm really excited to see what happens. And I'm excited to make, we'll probably have like a little more in depth of a discussion on our next episode and I'm going to make Preeti watch it. Yeah, I'm going to watch it even though I've not watched a Star Trek show, show since yes. Next Generation. So it should be fun. But you're interested in this one, right? With, yes, uh, I am. Martin Green as in the lead, which I'm so excited about. She is exquisite. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for all the pictures. I love Jason Isaac. Oh yeah. Isaac. 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 Yeah. Plural. I can tell how much you love him, Preeti. I know. You don't even know his last name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fake fan. Um I know. No, I'm excited. I like him a lot. Uh I'm excited about Michelle Yo. I'm excited about the show in general. I think it's gonna be really fun. And they're I'm not excited, that like I'm excited for Anthony Rapp, the first open Star Trek oh, yes. openly gay character, which is very that's going to be amazing. Which is very exciting, and he's also my Twitter friend. I, <laughs> which is very exciting. I've been a fan of Anthony Rapp since like I saw him in Rent on Broadway, and so I'm just <laughs> I'm very very happy. I hope I hope he's not listening to this. this. Is really cute. Um, I think it's gonna be fun, and I'm excited for Anthony Rapp to see how excited you are. I know. <laughs> I know. Starts. I think he already knows. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm let's straight up turning red right now. I can feel myself turning red. Okay. 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 Um, so we'll have more to come on Star Trek Discovery uh, in. Uh, yeah, we'll our, talk about the, um, yeah. whatever episodes have already aired and we've had a chance to see because we're probably going to record right after New York Comic Con, which we will both be at, and it's going to be a mess. Um, so we'll probably be very tired during our next recording. But not next the best regular episodes. episode. We're yeah, doing Empire Strikes Back. We're all over the place too. tonight. I know. So yes, next like regular episode after New York Comic Con, we will talk about in-depth Star Trek Discovery. Um, but there are a lot of TV shows coming back or, and I'm so excited for fall TV. Like the good place starts, uh, actually tonight, 
Um, Swapna is only a few episodes in, I believe, right? First season, yeah. I think I've seen like three episodes and I'm really enjoying it. Like, it's not what I expected at all, but it's just super, like, it's just, it's so, like, it's so random and so funny. It's, like, I'm really enjoying it. It's really funny. It's, um, you know. Kristen Bell is so good. Oh, Kristen Bell's amazing. Ted Danson is amazing. Yes. Um, the entire cast is just really, really strong. And I don't, it's hard to talk about because basically if you're not, if you haven't watched The Good Wife, or The Good, the, I keep calling it The Good Wife because I love The Good Wife. The Good Place, if you've not watched The Good Place, I highly recommend you watching it without seeing any promos for the second season. Okay. Because the writing is in the first season is so strong because they're it's twisty and turny and the reveals on the show are really good and really like I love that moment of like <gasps> you know Yeah, you, I like, just got a big reveal with one of the major characters who Yes. Oh, it's so good. Know what I'm talking I, about. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Cuz when that happened I was it. like what? But I was just like wait, what? Wait, this is not going, what? Oh, like it was the whole really show good. is like that. So, like, yeah. if you've not seen it, um, the first season's on Netflix. Highly, highly, highly recommend watching it. It's so, so funny. Um, and then Younger Season 4 just ended, actually, which means I'm hoping that means it'll be on Hulu soon. I really love that show. It's really, um, it's very, so... Some people, like, Preeti hasn't watched it because it's about publishing, and it is absolutely, like, not um, realistic in any way. Like, there's one episode where they acquire a book and publish it in the same 30-minute episode. <laughs> um, yeah, like, it's it's in no way realistic. If they don't work at Melville House, like, that's not a thing that can happen. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but it's smart, and it's funny, and I just... It's really funny, and it's just, it's really, it's really lovely, and so, um, yeah, I'm hoping the fourth season will be on Hulu soon. I know, I just, it's hard, it's like that thing, you know, where you, like, are too deeply connected, and you can't watch it, because you're like, that's not what it's like! Um, and then Outlander just came back, I think, last week, mm -hmm. um, and I, I really, I liked the books, I can't <laughs> say I loved them, because I think they're too long, and drawn out, and, um, slow, and but I'm really enjoying it. They're just they're so long. Like I'm like, oh my god. Like I think I only got through the first three before I was like, no more. I can't do it. Um, but I like the storyline, so that's why I really like the show. And also, I just love Ron Moore's style of storytelling. He did Battlestar Galactica. He um, learned how to you know show run on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which is my favorite oh. Star Trek. So like he's got a really good and Outlander. It's I will I will say it is if you haven't given it a chance yet. It is slow. It is, but it's beautifully done and just um, I don't know. It works for me. It doesn't work for everybody, and I get it. Um, but it works for me. <laughs> I read the first book, and it was an experience. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, <laughs> they do. Um, also there were some problematics. There's definitely some problematics. Oh yeah, the books it. are problematic books. as hell. The show is the show is problematic, but it tries to do it all through a female gaze, which is I yeah. appreciate. And um, yeah, it's 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 really good. I highly recommend. I mean, I really enjoy. And it. everyone is very attractive. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that too. Um, um okay. <laughs> The rest of these are all you because oh, I TV, sorry, so. I watch oh. so much television. <laughs> I really do. I love TV. Um, Brooklyn Nine Nine is coming back on September twenty sixth, which is another really smart, smart comedy that I cannot recommend highly enough. Like true ensemble, like really like well written jokes that don't rely on old tropes. Or take okay, those so tropes and like turn it on their episode. heads. You watch, and I don't the first episode, and I did not. Yeah, love you gotta it. give it more. Gotta give it more. Okay. Gotta give it more. I give. I try to give shows three to like three to six episodes because I think it takes time to find their footing. Yeah, and pilots are notoriously uneven. Yes, because they don't even know really what they are. Yeah. Like, highly recommend this show. The writing is. I keep going back to this because I think it's hard to write comedy. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, it's hard to write comedy, but it's hard. It's very hard to write smart comedy that yeah. 
doesn't rely on stereotypes. Yes. And they could very easily do that. And every time you think it, it goes to the left and it's really, really, it's just really smart. Um, so I hope you come back to that because I can send you a lot of memes. I, I was, I trust your opinion on these things. So um, I <laughs> give it a chance. Uh, I have to mention this is us because I also like to cry and that show makes me cry basically every week. And everyone on it is so good. I'm gonna like. I'm, that's on my list. That's one of those it. I really want to get to. Um, that comes back Tuesday, September 26th. Uh, then, Speechless, which is another comedy that I hope people kind of latch onto. It's coming back for its second season. Um, it's about a kid who has cerebral palsy, uh, played by an actor who actually has cerebral palsy and um his family and it's really funny like it's not again like I'm trying to I find like when I'm watching comedy I don't want to watch comedy that relies on anything that we've seen before and so this show really like shifts everything and gives you know normal situations or ridiculous situations and puts them in a new light um and for the second season they've actually added a, a disabled writer onto the writing staff, which I'm very excited about. And so it's really authentic and it's not saturine, 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 saccharine, saccharine, maybe words. I, 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 words I, I, I don't read. know if I've ever tried to say that I know. word. I've only read it. It's like words I've read, but I've never said out loud. So reading people problems, learning, um, but it's just really, really smart and funny. And I, I really would like people to um, pick it up. And I believe that, Oh, and Mini Driver's in it. Hmm. I don't Um, think I've ever heard of the show, so I'll definitely... Exactly. Like, I don't feel like people were... I mean, it got a ton of, like, Subway ads, which is where I heard of it in New York. But, like, I didn't really see a ton of, like, in general marketing or advertising it when the first season um, came out. It is, unfortunately, not on Hulu right now. I'm hoping that they will add it back once the second season starts so that... If people want to watch it, they can. Because um, it's just, it's really good. It's, you know, it's good storytelling and it's funny. There's so many shows. I know. I'm like looking criminal- at this list and I'm like, oh my say, God. Yeah, you've got Criminal Minds season 13, which okay. also comes back Wednesday, September 27th. Yeah, so Criminal Minds, we all know what it is. But the big thing is that they're adding Daniel Henney in as a season regular. <laughs> the season, I'm super psyched about it. Because Daniel Henney is amazing. They lost Shamar Moore. That's really sad. But Daniel Henney. So I'm so really happy about it. And then another 20-minute comedy. I love 20-minute comedies. You too. Uh, Superstore. Again, like really clever, really funny. Just basically about a team of people who work in a retail store. I worked retail when I was in college. So it speaks to me deeply. Um, I worked like I worked at the Sears in Gainesville, Florida for three years. It was awful and awesome. Uh, and this show is so, so like anyone who has ever worked a service industry job will like absolutely identify with the writing in this show. Um, and that comes back Thursday, September 22nd. Um, I do think the first season of that is on Hulu. And, okay, last one. I feel like I'm talking so much. I'm sorry. But there's just so much good TV coming back. Uh, is Versailles Season 2. Although this is coming back sa- Saturday, September 30th on Ovation. Which means I don't know when it's going to be on Netflix. So I'm really sad. No. Oh. Versailles is a... It's like the most expensive drama um, France has ever produced, I think. And it's about Louis the Fourteenth and the building of Versailles, but it's like kind of with like a rock star edge, so it's definitely not historically accurate. But it's oh, this sounds like my jam. Oh, you would love. I need it. something to fill the rain shape hold in my heart. Oh my god, you would love it. Okay, it's beautiful. Like it's the the set, the costumes, the all of it is beautiful, and it's also like. The story is really intriguing and it's got mystery and there's this like plot to kill the king that right runs through the season and the men have these like 
beautiful wigs. <laughs> I know it sounds super weird, but you watch it and you're no, like, I'm, no, I'm, I'm on board. I like was obsessed with the wigs. It, um, uh, so good. Um, but that was okay. That's all of mine. So it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. One. Okay. I'll definitely check that out. Um, okay, so I want to talk about one more, and I am not recommending this by any stretch of the <laughs> imagination, but I just want to mention it a little bit because I did watch the premiere. It's The Orville, which is, it's on Fox, and it's Seth MacFarlane's, basically, it's been billed as kind of his parody of Star Trek. And I want to talk about it a little bit because it's not as bad as I thought it would be, honestly. Um, and that's, oh. like, that's saying a lot because I thought it was going to be, like, terrible, unwatchable. And it's gotten interesting sci-fi plot, actually. Um, it's of course it's Seth MacFarlane, so it's super problematic. He's by far the worst part of the show, um, <laughs> but he, it's almost as if he knows it, like he has written himself. And I don't think, I think he's kind of in on the joke almost because his character is so terrible. Um, and it's got the woman who played Bobby in Agents of Shield in it, who I really like, and I can't remember oh, her name. Um... Adrian, uh, Adrian Pilek, yeah, Palik- 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 yeah, Paliki, yeah, Oh, because I think you're thinking of Jared Padalecki. I am thinking I of Jared Padalecki because she was his Paliki. girlfriend in Supernatural. But I really like her, and she's in it, and it's got Penny Johnson from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine in it. Ooh. Um, and she's she played a character called Cassidy Yates in DS Nine. But um, no, it's got an interesting cast, and they've got. Besides Seth MacFarlane, the cat, the crew has an interesting, really interesting dynamics. And I've only watched the premiere and I've heard there's some even more problematic stuff coming up. And I don't, that does not surprise me at all because it's Seth MacFarlane. Yay. But at the same time, like the sci-fi is interesting enough to where I'll keep watching. I'm going to keep watching it. Um, I'm not going to like go out and be like, everybody should watch this. But I was surprised and pleasantly surprised. It is very much like a Star Trek ripoff. But it's much more of a Star Trek ripoff than it is a parody. So while it's got some like dick jokes and stuff, it's more of a ripoff. Like there is genuine like sci-fi going on, which is interesting to me. Like it's problematic and yeah. But I wanted to mention it because I am watching it this season and I'm kind of keeping an eye on it. And so we'll see. But yeah, the review I read of it was basically like this is an intense st- Star Trek ripoff. Mm hmm. But it takes, I expected it to, the characters don't take themselves very seriously, but the plot kind of is a little more serious. That's interesting. Which is really an interesting combination, and it's not a bad combination. So I'm cur- I'm just curious to see what happens. But I wanted to mention it to say I am watching it. I don't wholeheartedly recommend it, but if you're, if, if what I have said about it intrigues you, you probably will enjoy it. But Seth MacFarlane makes me, like, he's a guy, like, I want to punch him in the face. Like, he just, he's that has that type of face. Like, I just, like, want to punch him in the face. So. But he is a genuine Star Trek fan. And the thing is, there are a lot of people behind the scenes. from Like, Jonathan Frakes, who played Commander Riker on Next Generation and directed multiple Star Trek episodes and movies, directed the pilot. And it's oh. got people in the writer's room from Star Trek. So a lot of people behind the camera have worked on Star Trek and are working on this. And it shows. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's better sci-fi than you'd expect, given that it has been billed as a Star Trek parody and Seth MacFarlane is writing and um, starring. All right. I wasn't going to watch it, but maybe I'll give the first episode mm, a shot. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But anyway, so anyway, I just wanted to mention it. But, okay, we spent enough time on TV, so or on full TV, so let's move on to the big thing that happened this week, which is the Emmy Awards. <laughs> And it's very exciting because South Asians had a really good night. They really did. Like, uh, <laughs> like we had we had multiple South Asian presenters: Kamal Nunjani, um, Priyanka Chopra, um, both presented. And we uh, am I missing? I might be missing one person. Riz, but, uh, Riz Ahmed also presented. Also presented, and um, we had multiple South Asian winners for the <laughs> night as well. So we knew that Riz. Uh, Riz Ahmed had been nominated in um, one of the acting categories, which it's best actor for like a, a miniseries, series, right? It, drama, yeah. And um, no, only one South Asian person ever 
in the history of the Emmys has won an award for acting, and that was Archie Punjabi for The Good Wife, which is an amazing television show. Um, and no South Asian man has ever, ever won. And so it was like a long shot. He was up against like De Niro and like all these people that you were literally, I was like, there's no way there's like, yeah, they, when they were reading the uh, nominees, just like this I is such like, a long shot. I was like, they're not, he's not going to win. Like, there's no way he's going to win. And then they said his name and I screamed. <laughs> I like screamed in my apartment. Was like, it that and Aziz Ansari won as well. Aziz Ansari won um, for writing. For writing. Um, uh, with Alina Waithe, yeah. Yeah, who um, is amazing. I didn't really know who she was before this because I haven't watched season two of Master of None, but I will be looking her up because she seems amazing. Yeah, that the Thanksgiving episode of Master of None season two is the one episode that everyone is kind of agreed on that that is the one you should watch if you watch anything from season two. Um, and there was a great quote from Aziz Ansari, like when he was talking about their writing process, because he was like, you know, this was, of course, I brought Lena in because she's a queer black woman and I am a straight, like Indian dude. So I'm not going to get it wrong. And he was like, this episode had to be written by her and with like my help. And like, it was really, it was like, yes. <laughs> Look at what happens when you get it right. Like, yeah. Why would you ever risk getting it so wrong when getting it right, like, works? Yeah. Um, but I was really, it was just a big night for South Asians. And it was a little gross because the diversity, like, yeah. the Emmys was, like, patting itself on the back so hard for diversity. And it's like, you still got a long way to go. Like, stop congratulating yourself. Oh, yeah. When they said... um Stephen Colbert was like the most diverse, blah blah blah, and then they showed like uh, I think five um, five black creators and actors in the audience, and then went back to white people. Yep. And I was like, that. It's like let's not let's stop, not do that. Stop. Stop patting yourself on the back for doing like the bare minimum. Right. And um, I'm glad that it's a I'm glad it's a focus, but it's yeah. not it's not we're not patting ourselves on no. the back. It all like, got thrown out the window when they brought oh my Sean God. Spicer out. Yeah, and talk about that. We were all Rachel Bloom in that moment of like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, but we the... don't need to go down that road. Yeah. No. Okay. But we were very happy idea. that South Asians did very well. Yes. It was awesome. It was, it was really validating. There were a lot of firsts. There were a Donald, lot of firsts. Donald Glover won. Um, oh, that was amazing. Best director, which has never happened for um a black man before yeah which is incredible it was it was a it was a good night um okay shall we move on to our bigger topics for the oh evening God. yes okay so first we want to talk about the book leia princess of alderaan by claudia gray so um we'll go first go into kind of non-spoilery just kind of what the book is about and then um we'll put s when we start spoilers in the show notes and you can um fast forward if you haven't read it yet. So the book is it's a YA novel from Disney Hi or Disney Lucasfilm Press and it is about basically a YA novel about Leia. So it's about mm -hmm. Leia it's takes place about three years before a new hope because she's 16 16 yeah so like um 16th birthday and and it takes place so you get a lot of and it's funny because on the last episode keith and i were talking about um the alderaan alderaanians and like how we don't really know like oh, right. is she, why is she a princess like what and so this book actually like answered no all that was questions. amazing we cut out a whole seat because i had read the book at that point but i wasn't allowed to talk about it and yeah. so we had to cut this whole sequence where I was like, ah, oh, I know the answer, but I can't, but I can't tell I you. Can't tell you. <laughs> um, yeah, we did have to cut an entire sequence of Preeti just being like, ah, ah, which I'm sure none of you, I'm, no one can picture that, I'm sure. But um, no, so it's a really, okay, so I loved it. You I loved it. I loved it. It was, um, it was an excellent book. Yeah. Um, Okay, so now we're going to get into spoilers, so you can um, fast forward. forward if you... Uh, we'll if you put all the spoilers. Time, yeah, time, not time in the show notes. Okay, so 
Um, I really loved, like, first, I didn't expect there to be so much conflict between Leia and her parents, because we've always gotten the sense that Leia and her father are so close. And it's not really conflict, but it's more like Leia feeling abandoned by her parents, because, and you find out over the course of the book, it's because they're involved in the Rebel Alliance, and they're worried about involving her and the repercussions falling on her. Um, And it's really interesting to, but it's it's interesting to see because it's not a thing we've ever seen before. Well, it's nice that we're getting these YA titles. Like, um, you know, I've, we've brought up other titles before, like uh, Rebel Rising and That's the Ahsoka fair. novel. Um, and these novels give us insight into these characters in such a lovely way. And so this Leia, Princess of Alderaan is what part of what makes it so good is it's coming of age. And we talk, yeah. we've talked a lot about coming of age on this show, I think. And this idea of it's, it's how everyone identifies. It, it makes everyone identifiable, right? If, yeah. Because we've all been through it. So Leia, the whole, the premise, the basic, like, you know, spot, like uh, the skeleton of the book is that she is coming of age as the princess of Alderaan. And so she has to, um, in, not embark, but she has to... Uh, like, perform three trials, Yeah, basically. perform three trials that she chooses, but they have to be true trials, you know? She's... Whether it's um, helping the less fortunate or climbing a mountain or whatever, she has to perform these tasks in order to become the Princess of Alderaan. And, and she's literally growing up over the course of the book. Like, that's mm-hmm. truly what this book is about which is what makes her such a character because you such a great character because you see how she becomes the person she is in a new hope. And Claudia yeah. Gray has like such a wonderful handle on on this character. Yeah, like you can see it and if you anybody read Bloodline, um, Claudia Ray, Gray wrote that as well. So we all we all knew she had a great handle on Leia as an adult, but now, you know, she also she knows the character in and out at this mm-hmm. point. It's clear. And um, I appreciated that, and none of the Star Wars YA novels have done this, but sometimes YA can get very angsty. Yes. And frustrating, and um, I get frustrated with it just because I'm like, there's a balance to be had, and some of them don't always strike that balance well, but Leia does get angsty in this novel. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, she gets super angsty, and she makes mistakes, and she screws up, but like, it's all in an understandable and sympathetic way. Yeah, like she's never she never does anything to the point where you're like why are you doing this any like any even like any 16-year-old would be like this is a bad idea. Right. You it's know? not like like you can tell when it um like when an author is just kind of trying to create drama by making the character make main character make poor decisions that are unrealistic versus just genuinely being a teenager and being impulsive or emotional or not necessarily thinking about all the consequences of your actions. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of Leia's angstiness too, is the fact that she's, she makes decisions based on the fact that she doesn't have perfect information Mm -hmm. because she's being purposefully kept in the dark and she knows it. So she tries to best decisions she can. And some of them blow up in her face, sometimes literally. It's a, it's, it is sort of a brutal book because it's coming of age, but it's also like a destroying of innocence. Like, not that Leia was ever necessarily, like, truly innocent. She's smart, she's, you know, she sees what people don't want her to see, but there are moments where she has to come to terms with her parents, you know, killing people, or her, the effects of decisions she's made, um, hugely negatively, like, negatively impacting thousands of people like she has to come to terms with like and we talk about this a lot of the actual ramifications of rebellion and war which is what we get from these extended universe stories and you can have the best of intentions but they don't always it doesn't always pan out yeah and so um something I wanted to talk about was you know it's it's hard to imagine Leia without Han right it's hard to think about Leia and without, you know, this epic romance of, you know, I love you, I know, like, all of these, like, things where it's Leia and Han, it's the two of them. And Star Wars, the original trilogy, like, builds that romance and it gives us, you know, some of the best, like, back and forth between um, 
Han and Leia in those movies. So it was hard. I was I wasn't sure how that was going to go because there is a romance because I also like the idea of like Leia Han wasn't her only one and only. Yeah. Right? Like she needed to have the experience in order to be like ready isn't the right word, but in order to be in a place in which she could engage with Han at that level, right. like she couldn't have gone into it as like a total rube for lack of a better word. And well, and also because Han is such a challenge too. Yes. Like Han is not like, and the thing is she falls in love with kind of the easy guy in this book. Yeah. Which is like this, it, it, he makes sense and he, he he's appropriate and he's like, and it, it, it actually made the Han, not that the Han and Leia relationship has, doesn't make sense to me, but it made, it just like kind of put it into more context for me mm-hmm. a little bit because it makes sense that she'd go for a guy like Han after her experience with this dude whose name I cannot remember for the life I know of me neither. I was like, this is like Kier? the second time I've had a discussion about this guy and like cannot remember his is name. Is it Kier? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. right. It's something like that. And it's not because he's not a memorable character. It's because I'm terrible with names. Yes. He's actually a really great character. And the way she sees him is really wonderful, right? Because it's... And the angstiness never comes... I mean, that's not true. Largely does not come from their relationship. Like, the that That's all kind of the light, sweet part of the building of the plot. Like, the moments with the two of them are really just there's the innocence right these like beautiful moments of like teens like growing up and and falling and having feelings and whatever which then goes horribly sideways as the rebellion creeps in on her life right I loved all the scenes with Tarkin they were so wonderfully like they're chilling awful right I, I really liked them and again, build that they build the relationship we see in A New Hope so well. Like that, like I recognized you're a foul stench. I was like, oh, that means and so much more now that I know your history with him. It's just, it did a, such a good job establishing a foundation. And it also, like, there were also some little, like, things and clues and stuff in there. Like, for example, we learned that Captain Panaka from the Phantom Menace mm-hmm. uh, became kind of the administrator of Naboo, I guess, like the governor of Naboo. Yeah. Um, and he figures out. Oh, oh I know. And it's just this chilling, chilling scene because you get because she, of course, Leia doesn't know her, her who her birth mother is, right? And it's just this chilling, chilling scene where um, you like he starts to he notices like it take he's taken aback when he first meet her. He's like, you remind me of someone. You look like someone I used to know. Oh, I'm getting. I have like goosebumps. I know because the scene is so it's good. Just, it's just, it's so well written and it's so like, genuinely creepy. And it's a guy that I really liked from The Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. I liked this guy. And so you, but you can, it's just, it's so like, and he, it, he just starts asking more questions about her adoption and the circumstances surrounding it and all that. And then he figures out who she is. Yes, like very quickly because she's also, she's on Naboo and she's wearing, she's borrowed clothes from the queen. And so she's wearing like, Probably very similar to what Padme wore. Yeah, and, and she's, oh. uh, and I think, and there's something, I can't remember the specifics, but something she says about, like, the circumstances of her adoption and her age, and it all just kind of And the, like, together. father, and where her father died in the yeah, Clone her Wars, fa- and, um, oh, yeah, and, and then fought who, with Obi-Wan. Like, her, right, because I think she mentions Master Obi-Wan specifically. Yeah. Um, oh, Master Obi-Wan fought with my father, you know, and he just, it just, it's, it's all the pieces and fall And so you're, like, place. waiting, because you're like, oh my god, what does this mean? What's he gonna do? And then, of, of course, there's a terrorist attack, and he... And Saw Gerrera, basically. Well, we think it's Saw Gerrera. We think it's Saw Gerrera, though it, it might be, um... It was ordered by him. We don't yeah. know exactly who carried out the attack, though it might, like, it, 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 it sounds like she was setting it up to be Sagarera, but if you kind of read between the lines, there may be more going on there that we don't know about. Yeah. Uh, but it might be we're just trying to read too deeply into, like, Star Wars, because that's what we do. That's um, what we do. But anyway, Saw or some one of his associates um, blows up the, which is uncanny timing. Right. I mean, it's necessary, obviously, for the plotting, because 
we know that they can't know that Leia is Padme's daughter and whatever. But it was still this moment of like, what is it? Despite that, like the book, this is what is always so impressive to me that despite all of our knowledge about the story and despite that there's we know, suspense. there's still suspense and there's still like visceral reactions to reading the plot as it's happening, which is absolutely fascinating. Because even, um, so in The Last Jedi, Laura Dern is playing. Yes. Uh, um, no. A- Amelo, something like Am- that. Amlin, Amlin, Amel- maybe Amlin, something. I don't remember her last name. Who uh, we first meet in this book as she doesn't start out as a friend, but she becomes a very good friend of of Leia's as the book goes on. Also, the first will be the first openly queer character in um, Amelin Holdo, Holdo in uh, in Star Wars on mm-hmm. film because. Mm-hmm. That happens in this book, um, which is really, really exciting. And so, oh, there's so much that happens in this book. Like, the relationship between Leia and Bale is great, and the relation relationship between Leia and, oh my god. Breha. Breha, thank you. I was like, Brenna is, but, Brenna um, is not right. Um, but we don't know anything, really, about Breha yeah. from... So this is like the first real interaction. This is Brea's or Leia's mother. And I, lo- I mean, I loved her. Oh, she was amazing. Like just how strong she was. And even though she like had these uh, glowing machines inside of her that it was like. So, okay. So actually Claudia what? Gray tweeted about this and I loved it. So basically Breha had an accident. And so she basically has like a prosthetic, like I think a prosthetic heart maybe. Yeah, a- it's something like that. There's like there's she has some prostheses is the idea, and somebody at, on Twitter asked Claudia about why she did that, and she's basically said that um, because in Star Wars, a loss of a limb or having to use a prosthesis has always kind of symbolized a loss of humanity, mm-hmm. and I wanted to change that. Oh, that's really nice. And I love that. Yeah, I loved that. I was like, that's so that's nice. Really that's really nice. So good because she's she is right. Like with the cutting off the arms thing, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be that way. And like Darth Vader and his like you know life's like his man or machine you know so yeah it shouldn't be that way so I love that and she is just such a revelation the character I loved her so good there's so much I I mean then there's like the whole actual plot which is which we haven't even talked about we haven't even talked about because it's the actual building of the rebellion basically which I'm surprised at how much there already was like clearly we still haven't we still haven't seen the origins of the rebellion because I think that's but I think that's the thing, right? Is that rebellion? The rebellion, which we see in even in Rogue One, isn't a real thing, right? Yeah. Like the rebellion was so nebulous and so like kind of piecemeal. You... But it's piecemeal. But there's still a lot of assets. Yes, but this like... one. What was interesting here, I thought, was that this was showing the decline of Bale's belief in the Senate. To get things done. Yeah. Right? Like, this book is shows how quickly, like, it shows the true govern, like, the governance behind and how how the Empire, like, breaks that down. Right. Because this is taking place maybe uh, a year or two bef- after Rebels. Before. After. No, because, like, Rebels, I thought. The timeline's a little was- wishy-washy because Leia shows up on Rebels. Right, but I thought she was younger. But she can't oh, no. be younger. No, no, she can't be younger. Yeah, that's weird because I thought always thought Rebels was like five years before Rogue One. I mean, I don't and think I don't know why like, I thought that. No, I think Rebels is like right before Rogue One. Like, I think that Rebels is like... my head. Right? Because what I, season like, does I Leia show up in? Two. Two? Middle of season two. So that's got to be like... Because she's already part of the rebellion by that so point. So I feel like so this is actually probably like, happening, like, right before. Right. No, I agree. Like, like right before. Because also it has, that Rebels, has to be right, yeah. Like, the Senators I don't know why happening. I always thought that Rebels was so far ahead of Rogue One. But I have always thought that. And I don't know what made me think that. And I can't think of, I, like, can't pinpoint now, like, what specifically led me to that belief. No, but the timeline anyway. is definitely wonky, though, because you have to think about Mon Mothma plays a big role in this book, and where is she in Rebel? This 
this book takes squarely like takes place squarely at some point during rebels yeah but it's got to take place during the first season of rebels i would say it takes place like during the first season of rebels right because it has to take place before leia shows up in rebels and knows about the rebellion yeah basically yeah, that sounds, it has to take place like the for during the first season of Rebels, I think. Okay. So it is like true. Because then the because all, if you think of one year as one season, that would also make sense with the timing of this being um 3 years before yeah. a new hope. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, well. Time to do so that. Long, Katie. Woo-hoo. <laughs> um but yeah, and then there's like, you know, a an event there's like a big thing that happens at the end and there's sadness and tears and death and yes because there I think there has to be it gets it gets real very quickly but there are also like these beautiful friendships and relationships that she gives us that we don't get and you know the big I think one of our biggest criticisms of A New Hope which we've talked about time and time again is Leia doesn't get an opportunity to grieve her entire planet yeah. being lost. And you see the girl, you see where that might have gone because of this book. Like, every time she's like, no, I just have to get this done. Like, at the end of the book, um, I mean, we told you spoilers. Yeah. Uh, you know, her boyfriend dies after he basically didn't trust in the rebellion enough to succeed and so, yeah. in, in in a foolish attempt to save Naboo, gives up their rebels. Alderaan. He, uh, oh, sorry. Um, Alderaan, thank you. Uh, in a foolish attempt to try to save Alderaan, he gives up the rebels, and there's a big thing that happens, and he dies. And Leia, despite grieving in that moment, has to figure out what to do. Yeah. In a way that will not revealed that they that the that the rebels exist and that they knew about the rebels yeah and it's well done it's really well done right and so you see that girl you see where that girl could go when she's dealing with off this loss but knows that she has to like keep her shit together yep you got to put it aside and do what has to get done and then there'll be time for grief later like she says that i think in the in the um in the movie like well I don't remember exactly what the quote is, but when she's on the planet, um, when she's on Yavin. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's, it's really, it's so well done. And what I want to do now is like kind of reread it and then read it back to back with bloodline. Yeah. Because I have a feeling there are some threads there that, that connect that I didn't pick up on. Yeah. And I know like, for example, um, we are introduced to the world of crate in the book, which is going to be one of the worlds that's featured in, um, Last Jedi. Oh my god. It's like getting too big and my brain can't handle it. I know. It's like the salt the salt planet where it's like white and the X-wings are flying over it with like red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. It's like the story is getting so big. I mean the story is so big but my brain power is decreasing. (laughs) It's also been a long day. Uh, all right, so I guess that's that's Leia, Princess of Alderaan. Um, yeah, so I highly recommend it anyway. Like, so if you um, if you haven't read it, you know, highly recommend it. And um, okay, uh, so that's, okay, so the next thing, <laughs> yeah, so the next thing is For, all you. Yeah, so something completely different. Um, I started watching the new season of BoJack Horseman, which I don't know if you've ever watched before. I am not. I mean, I know what it is, dude, with a horse head. Yeah. So, but that's basically all I know. Okay. Well, so Bojack Horseman is probably one of the most scathing and accurate um, portrayals of what the world is like right now. Uh, using talking animals and people and, and uh, animation and, you know through this avenue, but telling, like, really cutting you deep. Um, like, people, the when I first started watching it, if, like, whenever the first season came out, um, I remember watching it and just, like, then the second season and just, just being like, man, this is real dark. <laughs> like, there are moments that are, like, goofy and funny, but then 
the themes and the actual story are painfully, painfully, painfully dark. Um, I do not recommend it if you have uh, any sort of like, I guess, weak constitution when it comes to shows about like depression and um, self-harm and drug abuse and you know so it's a trigger it, there's it, it's got some it, triggers. It, it's got some triggers uh it is but it is really some of the best writing in television i think um that being said kind of what i'm framing this conversation around is some really good like animation that is happening right now um because the fourth season of bojack i have not finished uh i made it 10 episodes in and just realized that it was affecting my entire like state of being like I was just really sad and like didn't feel like creative or productive and I mean it was a combination of things but it's just you know the show about a horse who used to be a really famous tv star and is now kind of an aging has been I'm like being really like shallow about my descriptions but like that is the very basic premise um, and him dealing, like, there's this episode in the fourth season where we get his internal monologue, um, for the first time, really, like, what it's like being in his head, and it's him, like, making decisions, and then inside his head, there's this little, like, little voice going, you're a piece of shit, you're garbage, you're awful, how could you do this, you're such a piece of shit, just over and over and over, and it's, like, so intense and so heartbreaking because I think that is something that so many people can identify with of this part of you that never stops telling you how trash you are and how like useless you are and how hard it is to combat that and I was just like this is too much yeah it is too real and it is too much and I just need to take a step back and as a direct answer to that, for some reason, I was like, I'm going to watch three seasons of Adventure Time on Hulu. <laughs> Which is, again, another show that pulls you in with, like, a, on a much lighter level, like, how, like, goofy and silly and funny it is. But then has these, like, really intense, heartbreaking and, like, wrenching storylines. I know nothing about Adventure Time besides the fact that it is also a comic, so... Uh, so adventure I don't time about basically any of these shows she's about to talk about. It's, so. it's it's but it's fun because I do think there are these shows that hide behind um, being on like like you know BoJack Horseman just looks like a funny show about a horse who can talk and drink and smoke and party. Adventure Time looks like a funny like goofy kids show on Cartoon Network. But, you know, it's about this kid, Finn, who is the last human on Earth because Earth was, the humans made a lot of bad decisions and there was a huge asteroid and half of Earth was destroyed. And he lives with his, like, magic talking dog, his best friend, who is his brother, Jake, uh, in the land of Ooh. But in these, like, silly stories, there are these, you know, moments where Finn realizes that what does it mean to be the last human? what does it like mean to have to deal with sad thoughts and these these like little things that come up that are it's such a smart way to write about these things especially because I know kids watch this show but I also know adults watch the show and it shows like that and like we bear bears and I just started over the garden wall which is also fantastic that is like really smart compelling um narratives hidden inside these like really funny goofy cartoons and I think that's becoming more and more prevalent, like prevalent now, which I don't know because I'm not used to watching cartoons. Like I not like I was never into the Simpsons. Like I was never even into like Ren and Stimpy. Like, mm-hmm. so watching cartoons now as an adult is like weird to me. Cause my mind is like, Oh, but this is for kids. Like, no, it's not necessarily, but like, it's hard to get out of that mindset for me. It is. And th- when you watch it, it, you know, you fall into these, like there'll be like, you know, a, an 11 minute episode that is like really silly and campy and funny. And there is no necessarily like hidden message to it. But then when you follow you, it it's a long investment because you're following the arc as it goes through, you know, 24, 11 minute episodes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I think it's teaching kids like really smart things about how to deal with the way they think about the world and the words they're using and, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's, and for adults, it's teaching you, you know, sometimes that it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. But Which is an important message. It is. And it's, um, I mean, I really, really recommend Adventure Time just started its ninth and final season uh, last week, I think. Um, I've not started it yet. I'm trying to decide if I want to watch it live or if I want to just wait and watch it all. Um, but it talks a lot about what it means to be a friend and, and not in the like saccharine, (laughs) bringing it back sort of way, uh, but in the very real, like even adult sort of way, like what it means to connect to another person. I've been having a lot of intense art engagement in my life over the last few weeks. I realized. That's okay though. But art's highly recommended Adventure Time and um, We Bear Bears, which is also on Cartoon Network and Over the Garden Wall, which is also on Cartoon Network. There are these like Really weird, surreal sort of shows. Uh, and I'm going to get Sophia to watch them one day for yeah, one of our I was going to say, this is, that explains why I haven't heard any of these besides BoJack, because they were on Cartoon Network. They're on Cartoon Network, but they're okay. so good. Um, but I'm sure they're also on Hulu. Yes, yes. Because I think Hulu, Cartoon Network stuff is on Hulu, yes? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So they're all on Hulu, except BoJack, which is on Netflix. Yeah, which I <sighs> so. Um, okay, so we're kind of wrapping up the episode. So, um, which, wow, we managed to like keep this to just over an hour, which is shocking Pretty given impressive. our. I know, how, like our latest episodes. But okay, so what is one thing you love right now? One thing I love right now is So You Think You Can Dance. I have been watching So You Think You Can Dance since like the second season. Um, it is a show that I think I love. I love reality shows where it's about people being really good at a thing, like really, really good at what they do and nothing more so than dance because these, you can see that it's these kids who have worked so hard to get to where they are and they come up with these amazing and beautiful dances every single week and it's just such a joy to watch and it's also like you see honestly like when people have access, how there can be a meritocracy and what happens to the the competitors. Because that show has always had extremely diverse candidates. And you see, like, when you open, you literally hold... And it's reality TV, so I'm sure there are narratives and they're finding people and whatever. But when you truly... You'll have people who are like, I dance on the street and I wanted to come compete. Two people who have trained for 10 years to be a ballerina, Right. You have, like, and that allows for the show to have these incredibly, like, diverse um, contestants. Like, the top four contestants right now, two are first-generation Asian-Americans out of four, you know? And that's incredible. Yeah. Because that's that's when you're like, oh. And that's, you know, still saying that you have the privilege to be able to go to the place where the edition is happening. But it's not like you need an agent to get in the room. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's more open than a lot of other um, auditions. Yeah. So, yes. So you think you can dance. It's so good. If anybody wants recommendations for specific dances to watch, I will do that for you. (laughs) Happily. Um, Okay, so right now I am reading a book called Kohinoor by Anita Anand and William Dalrymple. And if you are in any way South Asian, you probably recognize that name. It is the name of the diamond, the the great, uh, the giant diamond that was basically stolen from India. Yep. And now is in the British crown jewels. And it's like a huge thing. And India wants it back and should get it back. But we're not going to, I'm not going to talk about that. Um, what I will talk about is this is a book that is basically the history of the Kohinoor diamond. So what we know about the history of the diamond comes from some British dude who like slapped together a um, history at the request of the Brits um, back, you know, when the 
diamond was handed over from Maharaja Duleep Singh, the 10 year old, um, uh, Maharaja to Queen Victoria. And, um, so basically it's full of falsehoods, errors, you know, unsurprisingly. And so basically these two people, Anita Anand, who wrote the excellent book, which I highly recommend. It's a biography of Sophia Duleep Singh, who is the daughter um, of the Maharaja and basically living in exile in the UK, goddaughter of Queen Victoria. She was a suffragette. She um, took like it's, it's, she's an ama- amazing woman and an amazing biography. But so it's kind of, it's co-written, which I think is really interesting. William Dalrymple traces the um, and he is a if you've read any like any history about India, he is very like. Normally, I would be like, oh, you know, British dude writing Indian history, but he he knows his stuff. I'll just say that. He really knows his stuff. So half the book, the tracing of the Kohinoor's journey over the over the years and across Asia, uh, basically, is done by Dalrymple. It's the first half of the book. Second half of the book, which is the circumstances surrounding Maharaja Duleep Singh handing over the diamond and the repercussions and all that, um, is done by Anita Anand. That sounds amazing. So, yeah, it's so good. It's not very long either, but it's I'm, I'm about 100 pages in, and it is so good, and it's so interesting, and they get into it. I mean, they, you know, like, I was, like, reading the parts Dalrymple, and he's just, like, you know, Britain claims that, you know, like, they gave it, the guy, the kid gave it willingly. He was, like, he's 10 years old. Like, are you kidding me? Like, it's, it, he, they really get into it, and it's really good. Anyway, highly recommended. And I think it's out now. It's from Bloomsbury. I think it's out now, but if not, it's coming out very soon. Yes. That sounds awesome. Um, so we have a fun announcement. Yay! Next. We have become officially a part of the Hard Knock Media family, and that's NOC, um, which is Nerds of Color. And we had Keith Chow, who's been a huge supporter of ours, um, who's behind Nerds of Color. He was on the podcast last week. So anyway, we've become part of the media family. It means nothing besides... Um, you'll hear us talking about the other pod, our fellow podcasts within the media family. It's not a financial arrangement or anything like that. It's just, um, it's just a community of podcasts by people of color. You know, we, we support, we'd like supporting our fellow POCs. Yeah. So, uh, and so I'm going to talk, I'm going to just quickly shout out Southern Fried Asian, which is Keith's newest podcast. I think it's about five episodes in and it interviews basically Asian people from the Southern United States. And being, Preeti and I are both from the South. You're yep. from Florida. I'm from Oklahoma. And West Virginia. I'm from yep. Florida and West Virginia. I'm from Texas and Oklahoma. Because like, West Virginia is so, way more South than Florida. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, uh, personally, I am, like, I just, I find this podcast fascinating. Like, the, the whole premise of it. I love the name, too. Southern it's Fried a, Asian. Yeah, it's a good name. And so, um... Yep. Yeah, so check that out. Um, we haven't. We're. Ter- I'm terrible because things have been so busy. So I haven't put anything about it on our website. But I'll put a link to. Oh, we're gonna. <laughs> yeah, I'll put a link to the Hard Not Media Family's overall site on the um, on our website, and we'll put some put it in the show notes as well. Um, <laughs> and also, we talked a little bit about Granger Leadership Academy from the Harry Potter Alliance last month, but I wanted to shout it out again. Um, the I believe the early bird pricing is over. Uh, but you can get, um, you still get tickets and it's a really good deal. I think it's like a hundred dollars for two days of programming. And, um, basically if you are interested in like, it's basically like a set of, it's the idea behind it is basically turning fandom into activism. So how can you turn your fandom in this case, like Harry Potter, but you don't have to be like a giant Harry Potter fan to enjoy this programming. Right. Like you could be any kind of fan. It's just how to turn the things you love into like doing good in the world. And it's, it's really, it's an incredible program. So anyway, it's happening, um, in Arizona, uh, Tucson, Arizona. And, um, I de- definitely recommend you check out the GLA. Um, you can, you could tweet at, DHP Alliance, which is the Harry Potter Alliance, who puts it on um, with any questions about GLA, um, and visit their website. We'll put a link in the show notes. And yeah, so quick shout out to GLA, who um, have been great to our HPA has been great to us as well. So, mm-hmm. and 
thank you to our Patreon subscribers as well. <laughs> yes, so uh, thank you to I, Ben, and Very Smelly, which will never not make me laugh. That never will make me laugh, uh, I know. At $10, and then Sam, Jordan, Annie, Megan, Claire, also Jordan? Ryan, I don't know. I think I think I messed that up. I think there's only one Jordan. Jordan, Jordan you get two shout-outs. Jordan, you get two shout-outs. There's only one Jordan. But thank and, you. And, so Brian. <laughs> and Brian at the $5 Brian. level. Yes. Um, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash stacygeekgirls. We have some $10 slots open if you have Most stuff you want us to watch uh, and then talk about on the show. Um, and, of course, as always, uh, if you like what you hear, rate the show on iTunes. Uh, it helps people find it, I think. I don't, as always, don't really know what the algorithm is, but yeah, whatever. Um, but we just say that because we like hearing from you guys. We like hearing um, from you. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Daisy yeah. Geek Girls. Uh, I am we just, at... We're doing some good giveaways. Yes, we do giveaways, like, at least once a month. Yeah, um, we're trying to do for every episode, but you know us. We're not great at this. No. Uh, and you, you'll hear us next next week, I think, ours, we're planning on recording our Empire Strikes Back podcast. So it's just me and Preeti, no guests this time, because we want to be able to marvel about Luke's arms without... <laughs> and not be like, we're weirding this other person out with how right. weird we're being about Luke Skywalker right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll have Empire Strikes Back coming up next week. Uh, the show will go up, you know, sometime in the next week and a half. Um, and then other than that, I am on Twitter at Run With Skizzers. I'm at S. Krishna. And uh, until next time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see you guys later. <laughs>